1: to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basilli. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basili. Hey,
2: everybody. I want to welcome you to the show. Wow. Unbelievable. You know, here's the thing. First of all, let me thank all of you for tuning us in, turning us on. You know, we're, we, we do this because... Honestly, for me, it is about helping all of you hear something on the show, whether it's this show or one of the other 10 hours I do, that is going to give you a moment, a moment where you stop and say, I can do this. I can be here at this place that we call life. I can live in a world where joy is something that I get to experience. And I have to tell you, I I, uh, get a lot of books across my desk. I think we're now going on, this is our 10th year uh, on this network. Uh, We have a 10th year anniversary in September. Uh, And I get a lot of books across my desk. And I have to tell you, when I read the book Hungry, The Truth About Being Full by Dr. Robin Smith, I had to go back uh, over and over and over again on some of the things she wrote. And there's a reason for that. This is a time we live in where we are all being called not to think out of the box anymore. We're actually being asked to create a new box, a new box about the way we look in the world, a new box about the the way we we do our jobs, the way we raise our children, and much more. Today's show... um, with with uh, Dr. Robin Smith is, uh, you know, this is a New York Times bestselling author, but more than that, you know, this is a person that said yes to a passion for life um, and and a passion for making sure that the people that she comes and gets in touch with have the opportunity to live the best life that they can live. And so when I when I think about what she's accomplished, you know, everything in her life, her areas of study how dedicated she has been to making sure that she is the best that she can be, whether it's to, to be on Oprah, whether it's to be on uh, CBS, NBC, whatever the television show is, whatever the seminar is that she's giving, you know, whatever the class uh, curriculum that she's presenting is, this is somebody that shows up honestly, authentically, and exposes – not only who she is, but how, who each and every one of us is and could be. And so it's with great honor that I want to introduce all of you to Dr. Robin Smith. Dr. Robin, thank you so much for joining me here today. I, it is like I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you, and I am so excited to be with you. And happy 10th anniversary a little bit early, a few months early. But it means it means a lot to be with you. I mean, I know the work you're doing. Um, I'm honored by your introduction about hungry, and, you know, you're so right that we really are being called um, not only to, I mean, it's way past living out of the box, or uh, but it's about creating a life that actually is worthy of us. I mean, so often we've been parenting and living and so-called loving ourselves and our partners and other people the missing part of that is that many of us have not been in that equation. So how do we love our children and nurture our, our lives when we ourselves have not reported for active duty? Right. And so hungry really is that invitation. Uh, I, I had to make it first to myself. I said uh, I just did an interview with Oprah, an hour interview with her, and one of the things that um, Oprah asked me and we talked about is that I really felt um, that hungry could not be released uh, in the world. It couldn't be put out until my own life, my own heart, my own restoration had taken place in a way that I could authentically be here with you right now in this moment and with all of the people who have gathered, um, our tribe right now, that we've gathered together in a way that, as we spend this time together, I'm not talking just about, you know, research. I'm not talking just about what I've learned from someone else, but I'm talking about the, my own personal journey of reclaiming so much that was lost and has been restored in my own life.
2: This is really the point that I that I that I love about what you're doing, and this is what I share with the listeners because you and I have similar paths, <laughs> you know. This is a story I've told before. I didn't wake up one day and say I am going to spend 10 years in, as an independent radio host buying airtime and then syndicating myself. Honestly, Dr. Robin, <laughs> I would have never said yes to that. I'm sure you would not have. Oh, no. I mean, look, it. I dialed a wrong phone number. But everything you've talked about in this book, why I didn't hang up, Why it was so important to continue through this, living in the space of not knowing, is exactly, is exactly what you write about in this book. When you go through and write down the list of, I'm hungry, you're talking about yourself. You know, I'm hungry to be beautiful. I I cried. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was gonna, I, I mean, I think this was on like page 10 or 11 in the book, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh. How am I going to get through the rest of this book? But yeah. I cried because it was so true. You know,
0: it's interesting, um, Dr. Pat, that you're mentioning that particular part. Hey House, my publisher, uh, part of what really sold the book to them was that passage, uh, that passage of where I talk about my own hunger and what I was hungry for and, you know, that I'm hungry for real love and not crumbs that I try and call a meal And I'm hungry for relationships where respect is the cornerstone of the connection. I'm hungry to be in relationships that don't require me to dim my bright light in order to be offered a seat at the table. I'm hungry to have my gifts and talents truly appreciated by those I work with. I'm hungry to not need to dumb myself down so that others feel smart i'm hungry to be beautiful and sexy and not a barbie doll for a man i'm hungry to have a partner who doesn't feel like a predator i'm hungry for passion and great sex that is worthy of my mind body and spirit i'm hungry to not have to play small when my spirit and dreams are big i'm hungry to be brave and not let fear drive my life i'm hungry for an undivided self soul life love and relationship and i'm hungry to know that i am loved and irrevocably a child of god i'm hungry to be me Mm. yeah and uh, And so that's really the call (laughs) for all of us we're hungry we're hungry to be who we were actually born to be yeah. But we don't you know. know that. We don't we no. don't know that. You know, and, and no. part of the thing I I want to put out there for us as we're, you know, sharing and I said before we went on the air that I was honored that we were gonna have this time to co create this moment together because part of the issue around being hungry is that we spend a lot of time ashamed that we're hungry. I mean ashamed that we want something real. Ashamed that I want a real friendship. So, you know, we're, we're so used to people saying, well, be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for this. And it doesn't mean that we're not grateful for the parts of our lives that are intact, but the only way we can really begin to fill ourselves with things that are worthy and people who are worthy of being in our lives is to admit the places where we are still deeply Hungry and thirsty for more.
2: I think that, you know, what we're talking about here is so pivotal right now. It is, it, you know, it is, it is such an important conversation. And, you know, I, I think that, that for most people listening, I, I, I want everyone to know that. This journey that you've said yes to, the journey I've said yes to, it doesn't come without going through what I like to talk about. Sometimes you got to walk through the mud in galoshes and these big rubber boots, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's slow, but you still have to put one foot in front of the other. Don't you think, though, Dr. Robin, that that so many people are told, you really don't have the right to be hungry? you really don't have the right to want that juiciness in life. You know, you're kind of lucky you even have that job. Um,
0: Yes, 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 absolutely. And what you're talking about is the way in which our voices are silenced. You know, when, and we've all had this happen, we've done it to people and we've had it done to us. When someone, you know, shares a frustration and, it could be, you know, about their, their wife, and they might say, you know, my wife is just, she's complaining, and she wants, you know, a bigger house, and, and she wants more. And, and then a friend might say, well, look, you should be glad. If that's all your wife is asking for, you know, if you only knew what was going on in my home, and what that does is it robs the person who has just surfaced what they were hungry for, It shames them, it makes them retreat, it makes them actually eat their words and swallow them whole, and the problem with that is, ultimately, the only way that we really address something is by putting it in the light. I have a quote, and it's in the book, but it's also on my uh, wall in my office at home, and it's an Ethiopian proverb that says, he who conceals his disease cannot expect to be cured. And so whether we're talking about a physical illness and we're talking about a leaky roof, and we've all had, you know, a small leak that we ignored, and then the sun came out, and then it was summertime, and then we forgot about it, and then all of a sudden it starts raining and the leak has gotten, you know, bigger and now it's more expensive to fix, or, you know, a lump in our breast or an enlarged prostate for a man. What are those things in our lives for? They're there to awaken us. They're there for us to pay attention to if there's pain, if there's a lump, if there's a leak, that we don't ignore what is going on. But so often we are silenced by family, by friends, by faith. I mean, faith, and I'm an ordained minister as well, faith is one of the places where you'll hear, you know, in all faith traditions. So, you know, just, you know, I'm not picking on anyone. Just pick any of them. And it happens everywhere where someone shares a frustration or a fear and they are given back the answer, which is really to silence what they're trying to put on the table. And so Hungry is about allowing us to begin to have a real conversation. Um, there's a chapter called I Want More. Yes. And so often we feel like, oh, if I want more, it must mean I'm greedy. Well, maybe if I've been living off of crumbs and calling it a meal, maybe all I'm asking for is a real meal and a real seat at the table that doesn't require me. See, the only way I can get on your show is for me to in some way reconfigure myself. Mm-hmm. And let me, let's me figure out, okay, That's, what does Dr. Yeah. Pat want? What does Dr. Pat need? What will make Dr. Pat choose me? By the time I'm done with all of that shaving and Photoshopping and and, and all of the things that go into it being airbrushed, whoever it is that would have shown up today on your show would have not been me. It would have been some image and some projected image of who I think you want me to be so that you would have made this invitation. I tell a story in the book about uh, people who are, you know, if you have somebody who drops over at your house and there's a quote um, by Paul Lawrence Dunbar that says, we wear the mask that grins and lies. And so I talk about all the mask wearing that we do. And so if someone rings the doorbell and you run to the door because you think it's your sister-in-law. And then you realize that it's your rabbi and you think, uh-oh, wrong mask. And you say, you know what, I, I I have to get the key. I thought the key was in the door just a second. But what you're really doing is you're running back up the stairs to get a different mask because the mask that you put on for your sister-in-law is not the mask that you put on for your rabbi or your minister or your next-door neighbor. And so all that mask wearing, we forget that underneath all those masks that we drive around in our trunk, in our car, in our glove compartment, like, which mask do I need to do? Dr. Pat, okay, I hang up with you. and Oh, there's a different mask that I need to do this next interview, as opposed to figuring out, wait a minute, who am I? Who am I really? And how is that person going to be embraced? Because if not, if that doesn't happen, what, what we're really saying and how this creates such deep, profound starvation and hunger is it leads me to believe that the real me isn't good enough. Isn't yeah. good enough. And that's yeah. a problem because if I'm not good enough and all I'm doing is changing masks depending upon who I'm with, what a tremendous disability that becomes to living a real, authentic life. There's a story in Hungary I tell about a rabbi who is asked by his students, um, you know, rabbi, what are we going to be asked in the afterlife? You know, what's that big question that we're going to be asked? And so the rabbi answers, and I love this story, he says, you know, that he's not going to be asked, why weren't you Moses? He said he's going to be asked, Why weren't you you? And so that's what I'm being asked, and that's what you're being asked, Dr. Pat, and everyone who's with us today. The question isn't be like Dr. Robin or be like Dr. Pat. No, 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 no. Be like your sister. Be like your mother. Be like your grandma. No, the question that life is asking us every single day of our lives is to be who you are. And not in the afterlife. That, By the way, that question isn't going to wait for the afterlife. <laughs> that question is coming in this life right now. Robin, are you showing up today with Dr. Pat being who you really are? I mean, really. Or is this just some other airbrushed image of you? And that's where we fail. Not because something doesn't work out, but we fail if, if we're trying to live a life other than the life that our soul is really here to live.
2: You know, this is really, I love this, because these are, these are sort of the aha moments we have in life, right? in you know, I, from reading the book, this book for you uh, sounded like this was such a confrontation with yourself to get to this place, to take a very powerful message out into the world right now. You know, I, I, this is really kind of, for me, Showing up as who we are is the hardest and the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, isn't that really sort of the paradox of this?
0: Absolutely. Right? Isn't this
2: kind of? Yes. No, (laughs) and 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 so well said. It is the hardest
0: and it is the easiest. It's the hardest because so few of us know how to do it because we're so afraid. We don't have the images. And it's the easiest because it's the only thing to do actually which is to be who we were really born to be it's our only option it's the only real option there are a lot of surrogate options there are a lot of other possibilities that lead to nowhere but you're absolutely right there isn't a real option that makes any sense other than to figure out what is it and who is it who who am i really and what do i believe and What does joy look like for me? Not that what does it look like for my family. What does forgiveness look like in my own life? You know, I did um, Anderson Cooper's show once. And Anderson, for people who don't know, and this is public information, so I'm not sharing anything private, his mother is Gloria Vanderbilt. His brother uh, died by suicide and many, many years ago when he was young. And I did a show for him on... Uh, suicide and on just catastrophic death. And one of the things I started the show off saying is that there isn't, you know, when people are looking for closure, um, I don't even know what that means. Uh, when you oh had, my God. I'm
2: so glad you said that. Thank well, you. you. He,
0: he Hallelujah. Said me, he said, well, and that's what he said. I just, he said, I didn't tell you this, but if you had talked about closure, I was gonna walk off the stage. I said, Well Anderson, that would be a problem because it's your show. But and he said, But really it was gonna I was gonna go nuts, he said, if you started talking about closure, because you know, there isn't. And I said, No, this isn't about closure. It's about how we learn and and people who are listening, maybe, you know, hopefully you haven't had that particular kind of catastrophic loss, but we all have things in our lives that feel unmanageable, and they are so burdensome, and they ache, and they hurt. And the question isn't about closure. It's how do I integrate those losses? How do I integrate the the weak places in me and the aching pieces of me, not how do I disown them or how do I shame them away or how do I hide them, but how do I become tender and loving and compassionate and gracious to the very rough, raw, rugged places in my own life. And if we saw more of that from parents and politicians and our clergy and psychologists like me, I mean, part of, you know, what I did by writing Hungry was breaking the mold that people like me who are psychologists and ordained ministers don't usually talk about their own suffering. And what a disservice we do, because then it it appears that someone like me, they see me on TV, they see me with Oprah, they see all the books and the New York Times, you know, number one bestseller, and they think, oh, she's got it all together. Well, sometimes, um, and I wouldn't ever say that I have it all together, but sometimes things are more intact. But so much of what I've learned has come from my own suffering, from losses that I didn't know how to catch my first breath, let alone take the second. And so it really required me, and I talk about my mother in the book. She's 91. She's amazing. My grandmother just died last year, a year ago. Um, this month she was 108 and a half when she died and an amazing woman. But my mother was, she loved Hungary. She, you know, read the manuscript. She said, you know, I didn't think that you could – write a more powerful book than lies at the altar my last book she said but this book goes somewhere so deep robin and then she was quiet and you know i've known her for 50 years so i said mommy what's wrong and she said oh nothing well, you know and I, I so we waited and waited and eventually she said i'm worried and i said about what And she said, I'm worried about, she said, the book is magnificent, but I'm worried about what are people going to say about you. And I said, well, and I knew what she meant, of course, but I said, well, say say more. And she said, well, you know, and Oprah said this in the interview, you're Dr. Robin. I said, yeah, right, I am. And I'm Dr. Robin who has suffered, and I'm Dr. Robin who's hungry, and I'm Dr. Robin who figured out that I was dying to be me. And hungry to be free about being who I really was. That my own chapter three is called identity theft. And that I was a victim of identity theft. Not somebody stealing my passport or my license. That would have been easy in some ways. But something much bigger. My core sense of who I am. And that I was good enough. Whether someone chose me or didn't or kept me or or moved on to someone else, or I, you know, got that pilot in television or I didn't get it, that my core identity was at risk. And I asked the question that um, the poet David White, who I have such great admiration for his work, the question I had to ask was, has anyone seen Robin? And that's the question we're asking right now as people are listening. When's the last sighting? That someone really saw you? When's the last time you actually saw yourself? I mean, when's the last time you didn't just give the answer that someone expected or the answer that someone was going to reward, but you actually showed up in your own life with your own voice and your own thoughts and your own fears and tears and insecurities and resilience? When's the last time... Your own true identity reported and showed up for the active duty of living your own life. And the answer for most of us, if we were safe enough, courageous enough um, to tell the truth, a lot of us haven't been seen by ourselves or anyone else, our partners, our spouses, our families, for a very, very long time. And it's been so long and this becomes what is even more dangerous, that we actually don't even know that we are missing in action.
2: Yes. And, you know, this is really, for me, for those of you tuning in, I'm, I'm here with Dr. Robin Smith. The book is Hungry, The Truth About Being Full, uh, one of the best books I have read in a really long time. But let me tell you why I love this book. It is for the exact thing that you just said right there, Dr. Robin. Here's the deal for me. When I first decided to do this show, uh, this wrong phone number, all of that. My mm-hmm. university that I got my doctorate in psychology from blacklisted me. Wow. Think about this, though. You know, here I graduated, a dissertation on, by the way, The Consequences of Broken Promises, won awards, mm. oh, turning gosh. it into a book now. But they saw a picture of me, the head of the department, <laughs> Saw so a picture of me on my website, and I had two things in my hands, and he thought they were crystals. Mm-hmm. And so that was enough. Having a picture of yourself with crystals in your hand, that was enough for him to think that I had crossed a boundary, uh, and I had blurred the lines between psychology and spirituality, uh, and as he called it, the occult. Well,. Mm-hmm. This is where each of us gets to stand in that moment of truth. Yeah. You know, this is where we yeah. say, I don't you know what? First of all, they're not crystals. They were thunder eggs I dug up in California. <laughs> <laughs> Get your eyes checked, dude. Uh, and and then the second part of it is I'm not taking the I'm not taking the damn picture down. Yeah. Uh, a, a, end of yeah. the story. You know, you could tell whoever you want to tell. But those moments, I tried to explain this and maybe you can share this because I I know you, I know you know what I'm talking about. There are those moments that you simultaneously feel a knot in your stomach and an immense glow around your essence.
0: Mm -hmm. Do do you know
2: what I'm saying? Absolutely. Those are the moments.
0: Yeah. Well, and those are the moments, um, and what a powerful, Story. I mean, that's a, a piece of your story I I did not know and am humbled in hearing it because, you know, what a moment of truth, if you will, um, not about the person who actually uh, called and thought, you know, you had crystals and, you know, well, what if you, I mean, if they were crystals, like, what about a conversation, what about help me understand, you know, how your life is evolving and what does that mean and, but the the judgment and the disconnect, meaning not the disconnect from what uh, it really meant, but the excommunication, if you will, that you were now going to be, you know, uh, thrown away, discardable, because someone did not understand you. First of all, they misunderstood, literally, what, was, what you were holding. But even if you had been holding crystals, that there was no room at the table, you know, because hungry is about resetting our table. It's about who is right. around our table. Are there people right. at our tables? And, and if we think about, um, you know, Passover Seders or Easter celebrations or, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever is coming up for people at different times during the year, and we think about uh, how much people dread certain functions because they don't like who's at the table but they they're too afraid to reset the table. They're too afraid to either redo the invitations and certain people don't get invited anymore or if they are invited, they don't get to sit next to you because they whisper not sweet things in your ears, but they whisper fear and they whisper doubt and they whisper judgment and so as you tell that story that the invitation really in that moment was made that you either abandoned yourself, as many of us have, right. and not, be, not because we're bad, but because it's a scary thing to have somebody make that call that was made to you and say, if you don't do A, B, and C, <laughs> right. you know, you're gone. And, right. and, and I'm going to put the word on the street out about you that you are gone. And so that's a terrifying experience. Having said that, it also gave you your life.
2: You know, it, isn't that the truth it, of yes, that, though, it right?
0: Yes, it gave you your life. Because otherwise, that person or the next person would have owned you. And that's part of what hungry is about. It's about all the places where we have given ourselves away. We get out of fear. Uh, there's so many women who are living in relationships who are, and marriages, also with their own mothers, where they are so afraid that if they show up for who they really are, that somehow they will be thrown out. And so they live on that edge. You know, I tell a story about, uh, David in the Old Testament, about King David and, and uh, and Saul, and (laughs) it's a great story because David was going to go and fight who we call uh, the giant Goliath, and King Saul says to him, look, you can wear my armor. That time Saul was king, not David, and he says, you know, you can. So how do you tell the king, like, you know, he says this armor has worked. You know, I've won wars, and so he tells David to wear it. David puts it on. And it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It doesn't. And how many of us have tried to put on our mother's way of parenting, our mother's way of disciplining, our mother's way of holding a grudge, our mother's way of not holding a grudge. And so we're trying to figure out why we're kind of limping along through life, and we need to do what David did, which was basically, you know, thank you for offering, you know, this kingly armor but I've got to use what works for me. And what worked for him appeared to be ridiculous, you know, a little uh, bag of, of, uh, of rocks. and uh, But that's what worked for David. And so the question for each of us today is how do I want to do love in my life? How do I want to do forgiveness? How do I want to do friendship and and connection, and not how does someone else want me to do it, but in terms of my own authentic identity, what is my own truth? You know, I talk in Hungary um, in the chapter, The Source of Hunger Pains, and when we're talking about shame, because really the example you gave about yourself is someone tried to use shame to manipulate you and scare you into not being you. Now, how dangerous is that? I'm going to manipulate and scare you (laughs) into not being you. And so whoever would have been left had you, you know, gone down that path would certainly not be the Dr. Pat you are. And how much of your whole life and the ways in which you have blessed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would have missed out? But bigger than that is you would have missed out, on your own life and your own calling. So one of the things I talk about is the promise sometimes we make when we're scared. When someone threatens us the way you were threatened, the way that we've all had someone, you know, say you can't have this job if you don't do it this way, You, I won't stay married to you, or, you know, I'm not going to invite you over anymore as a neighbor or as my sister. So this is the pledge I talk about that we uh, might It might sound something like this, to get out of the hunger jail when we're feeling so ashamed. It says, I promise that when I feel my needs and longings stir within me, when I want a real life, Dr. Pat, a real marriage, real joy, real connection, real sexuality, real passion, real faith, real forgiveness, real friendship, a real connection with family, when I want real anything that goes against what others want for me or what society says is acceptable, I will first beat myself up for daring to want something real, and then I will deny that I need anything more than what I already have. I will berate myself for being greedy and ungrateful, and I will blame myself, and I will blame myself that I still have an outgrown having needs, and if that doesn't work, I will reach out to family, friends, clergy, neighbors, and even enemies, if necessary, who will reinforce the message that my hunger pains are wrong and that I am bad and weak because I haven't conquered them. And I pledge that if that level of intervention and brutality toward myself and my hunger pains doesn't do the trick. I will call 911 and turn myself into Officer Denial, Officer Shame, and Officer Blame. I know that each time I call 911 for this intervention, the punishment will get worse and my body, soul, spirit, personality, sexuality, and entire being will be attacked for the sole purpose Of beating my hunger pains down until they are never heard from again and just in closing it says it may seem melodramatic but in truth many people live in this prison pledging away all of their rights as human beings they make silent promises every day to do better but better at what not being themselves I know this pledge all too well It almost killed me and destroyed any chance I had to be my true and unmasked self. And so as I read that and I hear your story, and I know the stories of millions of other people, how many times have we wanted to backtrack when we actually took that first step to speak our truth, to say how we really feel because someone shamed us and scared us into saying, you know what, you shouldn't say that. You're going to upset someone or you're going to lose everything you have, not realizing that the biggest loss that we can, none of us can afford to lose, is to lose our true self.
2: You know, this is really, for folks listening, uh, I just want to let everybody know, you know, Dr. Robin, you know, the book Hungry, is you know I, I thought about this and I thought about what you just said cuz I read that and I read that over again I have to tell you <laughs> I've cried more reading your book than any book I've ever had in front of me I, I, and for very good reason I think for the for the folks listening to the show that they know exactly the place you're talking about you know for me I've had I've been faced with that many times I was homeless at 17 I I was the head of HR in, in a Fortune 100 company. I worked my way up and I refused to implement a downsizing program that would deny a woman one month away from a full pension, her pension. You know, Uh so I seem to be, this seems to be my, my, uh, pathway here, you know, to be able to do these things and do these things, you know, really well. But I'm always humbled. I'm humbled by your journey. I'm humbled by you know, your courage to be able to take this message out into the world. And I, I want to say this to you because I think this is really important. Those of us that have taken this journey and let's call it psychology or mm-hmm. spirituality like you and I have, have done, mm-hmm. I don't think that, that our pathway was so that we could live this pathway in the realm of someone else's definition for how yeah. we should be in the world, Yeah, you see, because mm-hmm. that's your courage. I mean, you had to write a book like this. You know, look at I interview psychics. What do you think my college thinks of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are because we come from the place, and I think you talked about it in your book, this unconditional love of, of, of God. Yeah, You know, being, being beautiful and being called to shine is our birthright, and I think that's what you're reminding us of here.
0: Mm-hmm. And that anything less than that, we are living beneath what is divinely ours. Mm-hmm. So it's like if someone has a gift with your name on it, if you don't pick it up, it's still your gift. It just means that it remains at someone's home, it remains at the store, it remains, but it still belongs to you. And so this journey is really about re-engaging and re-inviting each person to realize that they've got, you know, you hear about these scams about unclaimed money. Well, those are scams. This is not a scam. This is your identity and my identity, and each person who is born has a, a birthright to love, to respect, to being cherished, for who they really are, again, not who someone wants them to be, and that when we are living beneath that, we are cheating ourselves. And there are a mm. lot of for- there are a lot of forces in the world um, that will aid us to cheat ourselves. You know, I talk about prostitution, and people say, "Oh my gosh!" Well, we didn't know that part. I mean, <laughs> I, I well, no, not not that kind of prostitution. Again, something like identity theft, but. To, to prostitute ourselves is to sell or give the core essence and value of who we are, to give it away to someone who doesn't deserve it. So I always tell people they get confused about the issue of particularly in committed relationships and particularly in marriage, if there is a marriage and there is abuse going on and if people are people of faith and uh, they either don't believe in divorce or they don't want to get divorced, which certainly makes sense, because divorce at its best, even when it may be necessary, is always painful. Always. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, there, 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 there's never a, you know, right. that, that's never a, a happy moment. And so, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, never a ha- even if it's a necessary moment, it's not a happy one. But one of the, the challenges I tell people is when you're evaluating relationships, the relationships you have with other people, and then I'm going to say something which I think is more important, which is about the relationships we have with ourselves, but when there is humiliation in a relationship, you can know that the divine presence is never part, never a part of humiliation and abuse. So when people are grappling with, and if we, you know, if we want to use the word God or higher power or source, I mean, I don't care what you want to call that force and that source and that power, but you can know that God is not a part of humiliation and demoralize, I mean, and anyone who is being demoralized and someone who is living with disrespect. Right. That, the, the, the divine presence is an honoring presence and a respectful presence and a loving presence. So to the relationship that is most important, it's not the relationships we have with other people. That's very important. But the most important relationship is the one that we have with ourselves. So I've been doing a lot of interviews about Hungary, and people have said to me, interviewers like you, Dr. Pat, have said, you know, Dr. Robin, if you had to pick one core key to what will help someone as they are reclaiming their voice and reclaiming their power and reclaiming their divine birthright, what would it be? And I'm real clear about this. It would be compassion- to be compassionately awake. Not just awake, because being awake is critical. I mean, we can't navigate the world be, living in a fantasy, and I know that because I've done it. I Meaning, I've lived in fantasies. I've lived where I wanted something to be something it wasn't. And how dangerous is that? Oh,
2: it's I critical. To, yeah, I mean,
0: I, yeah. I mean, to to the, because reality at times felt so painful, so rejecting, uh, so I mean, in a way that I couldn't manage it. So what I did is, I, as a writer and as a creative person. I learned, and this, you know, really was a very destructive, uh, way that I navigated pain. And I want to own that and I want to really put it out there so that if someone else is doing this, they can hear that I did this too. That when things got so painful and I felt helpless to change the situation. Now, one of the things I say in the book is, I learned if you can't fix it, then don't feel it. Well see, there's a, there's a huge problem with that because just because I couldn't fix something didn't mean that I needed to actually disregard the feelings. The feelings were huge because feeling the pain, feeling the ache, feeling the fear, feeling the humiliation, even when I couldn't change the situation or the relationship, in part helped me after I could feel the devastation. It helped me to begin to figure out, okay, I am hungry. I want something very different than that. If I couldn't feel it, I actually learned to tolerate behavior and treatment that was extraordinarily destructive. And so part of feeling pain, when someone says, well, what's the point in feeling it, if you can't fix it, because the feeling, the being awake is part of what helps with the transformation and the liberation. But the compassion about being awake is critical because often when we learn something about ourselves or about other people, we are brutal. We're just brutal. I mean, we're brutal. We're like, oh, my gosh, I've ruined my kids. Oh, and now that I heard Dr. Robin and Dr. Pat, oh, my gosh, (laughs) now I realize that all the messages I gave my kids are going to be screwed up and, They feel bad about something, wrong, stop, stop, stop. Arrest yourself, but with compassion right now. Because because to be awake and to really understand that we do the best we can until we know how to do better. I love that. And when we know how to do better, guess what? We really will do better. And so compassion is really the key tool, I believe, that helps – Every human life began to transform itself. When we can look at mistakes, when we can look at parenting that really went sour, when we can look at the ways in which we lived in a marriage in a very self-absorbed way and we really blamed our partner not realizing that, yikes, I really, I was pretty cruel. I was really withholding. I was really Mm. cold, but I didn't know it. But once we come to see that part of ourselves, the last thing we need to do is then beat ourselves up because that will make us run and hide. So if we can awaken with great compassion and a great sense of love toward ourselves, it is the key foundation to really beginning to change your day-to-day life
2: in a way that actually you get excited about what you're learning. You get excited Uh, about uh. what you see i tell you, I, I'm fired up now. Dr. Robin, thank you so much for joining us here today. I want to just let everybody know, the book is available everywhere. Uh, please, let's just uh, have folks go ahead and go to your website. Uh, for folks out there, DrRobinSmith.com I can't thank you enough. I, I hope you will come back. I do 11 hours of radio a week and there is plenty of <laughs> plenty of opportunity for us I to have love, this be progressive.
0: I would love to. It has been my honor, real And such a privilege. And I would—I'll tell you this—and we're saying it on the air, so this means I can be held accountable. You make the invitation, and I'm coming. So uh, you—you tell me when we're going to do this next, and I'll be there.
2: Yeah, it's a date. And I love what you said. Compassion is so important. And uh, just want to leave everybody with this: for those of you that are listening to this interview, we are scratching the surface of this book, Hungry, The Truth About Being Full. I invite all of you to find out about Dr. Robin's work. Read this book. I know it will bring tears to your eyes, but these are really tears of empowerment because thank you, Dr. Robin, for telling us a bit more about not just who you are, but who you hold for us to become. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, and Mm. thank you for letting me be letting me be a part of your village and your tribe, and Mm. uh, we're in this together. We really are, and we need each other to make this journey from being hungry to being whole.
2: I love it. Thank you all for tuning us in turning us on, uh, and you heard it here, we're going to be having Dr. Robin back. Thank you all. Thank you, Chad, for a great, great show. We'll see you next time on The Dr. Pat Thank Show. Thank you
1: for joining us today for The Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. The Dr. Pat Show can be heard live every Thursday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific on voiceamerica.com and Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. on KKNW, AM 1150. So join Dr. Pat live or listen 24-7 at www thedrpatshow.com.
2: Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour. Stop. Get out of that car. Stop living your life in the passenger seat. Tune in to TransformationTalkRadio.com and let us help you drive. Drive.
1: people say that too much of anything is not good for you baby. but i don't know about that love is officially in the air transformation talk radio and the dr pat show is showing you love
0: all year long not just for valentine's day Dr. Pat, known for her pay-it-forward manifesto, is now joined by the hosts on Transformation Talk Radio. I'm in love, baby, with Transformation
1: Talk Radio. Tune in to TransformationTalkRadio.com. Amazing host, incredible guest. Get your groove on. It. Feel the love, be the love. Can't get to your love.
2: host your own show. Let us help you bring your voice to the world.
1: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one.
0: Transformation Talk Radio.
2: Transformation Talk Radio. A higher consciousness perspective. The hosts on Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift a new vision for a collective future they are empowering and helping all of us experience a powerful wave of personal shifts and cultural change as we break through to even greater levels of awareness take down our toll-free number 1-800-930-2819 call in connect make sure you tap into some of the world's most empowering psychics healers and more Get an on-air reading with the best. Tune in, TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, we'll see you there. and host your own show on Transformation Talk Radio. Get ready to expand your horizons, tap into the best listeners anywhere, and join one of the most positive and expansive networks today. Historically, there came a time when the boundary of water was transcended as man developed the boat, and the barriers of water became freeways. Join Dr. Pat as she launches this exciting venture. To host a show, call 1 800 930 2819 or email host at transformationtalkradio.com. TransformationTalkRadio.com
0: Transform your life. You're tuned in to Transformation Talk Radio. Think that Dr. Pat shows the cat's meow?
2: Just listen to what some of her transformative guests have had to say. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with?
1: Uh, believe in yourself always. Remember that uh, you are a gift. You are a miracle. And the only way you can return any part of that gift is what you do with it. Live into yourself. Be that miracle.
2: I love it. Eldon Taylor, everyone.
1: And and thank you, Pat. I love joining you. You're a wonderful host.
2: Thank you. And we're going to bring Eldon back because we, we just haven't even scratched the surface here. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on.
0: Thank you for listening, and keep us tuned in right here on Transformation Talk Radio.
1: There's a great hunger in this world for new lines of thought, because everywhere you look they say that joy can just be bought. So please come and set aside some time to relax from frenetic. Transform your life. It takes a while, but results are magnetic. We aim to grasp the best in life and track the ways we grew. The how, the why, the what, wherefore, all this we share and do. But every now and then, we hope that you will share right back. Transformation Talk Radio wants you to hop on track. So calling all hosts, tall and small, of every size and hue, there's nobody we'd rather have to tell your tale than you. And if you have a tale to tell of how your life is changing, we'd love to hear you on the line, say how you're rearranging. So run, don't walk, to call us now. We'll set you up and show you how.
2: Hi, this is Dr. Pat. Join our radio family. Send us an email, host at transformationtalkradio.com or call 1-800-930-2819. Host your own show. Let us help you bring your voice to the world. Transformation, transformation, transformation talk radio.
0: transformation. Trans- Transformation Talk Radio. Transformation
2: Talk Radio. Transforming the world one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio. A higher consciousness perspective. The hosts on Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift, a new vision for a collective future. They are empowering and You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news educational and practical information topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world stay tuned transformation talk radio starts at the top of every hour